University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. Hobbits are simple folks. They don't concern themselves with the world outside of their own land. They certainly do not go on any adventures, nor do anything out of the ordinary or unexpected. So it was quite a surprise when Gandalf the Grey showed up at Bilbo Baggins' door, stating, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging. And it's very difficult to find anyone that Bilbo Baggins refused to listen to the wizard and invite him inside his home. And for those with you that look on your face right now, I'm referring to J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth. And if you haven't had the privilege of entering into Middle Earth, you are invited to my home, and we will have a viewing marathon of the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings series, which would take a total of 18 hours. So when Bilbo is invited to go out on a journey, an adventure of excitement, possible incineration by Smog the dragon, glory and riches, Bilbo asks Gandalf one simple question. Can you promise that I will come back? And the wizard answered with a very fascinating statement. No, and if you do, you will never be the same. This was an unexpected journey. Bilbo wrestled greatly over this. The great J.R.R. Tolkien wrote this, The road must be trod, but it will be very hard, and neither the strong nor the wise will carry us far upon it. This quest may be attempted by the weak with as much hope as the strong. Today we are beginning a new journey together. Unfortunately, I am the newbie to this. You have been journeying together for quite some time, and we are just coming alongside you in the process. Nevertheless, it is the beginning of a shared journey together. It is a journey by which that I hope at the end we have learned a lot more about each other. Our collective dreams and experience, our giftedness and strengths. But it is a strange journey to begin with a pastor because... You are who you are, I am who I am, and we have to figure this thing out together. So my hope is that we begin this journey hand-in-hand together, looking to what is next. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to enter into this short series called Shared Journey, discovering together what God has in store for us. And over the next couple of Sundays, I want us to take a hard look at what it looks like to journey together what it looks like to discover the new things that God is doing and wrestle with whether or not we are willing to step out in faith onto the journey path together. So for this, take a look at the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, Numbers is a fascinating book. It's one of the great moments in Israel's history. It's this bridge book between the Exodus and into this conquest of the Promised Land, After exiting Egypt, the Hebrew people cross the Red Sea. They arrive at Mount Sinai. They're given these great big old tablets with commandments on it. And Numbers is supposed to be a time of preparation to enter into the Promised Land. And as we are going to see from our text, that goes by the wayside. So the story of Numbers has great significance in the narrative of God's people to this point. So the text reads this, Numbers 13.1. 
The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders in the Israelites. Skip down to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like. And whether the people live there in the land is good or bad, what kind of towns they live in, are they walled or fortified, what is the soil, is it fertile or poor, are there trees on it or not, do your best to bring back some of the fruits from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. They're on to an adventure. God is sending a few spies to venture into this promised land. So God gives them some specific instructions. Take 12 people. You're starting to see why it's called the book of Numbers. There's a lot of numbers in this book, usually 12 or 40 of some sort. And Moses gathers the representatives, and you can think of uh, you can thank me later for skipping over those names. That's why we skip down to verse 17. There is a lot of really confusing names. I'll just give you a quick taste real quick. Uh, the first man named from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, son of Zakur. Yeah, you can thank me later that we skipped over all those names. And Moses gives them instructions. It's this, uh, like this pre-game just hype conversation that he's having with them, giving them specific instructions. All right, guys, I want you to, to go out into the land. I want you to figure out what's going on there. I want you to see the people. Are they great? Are they small? What's the land like? And oh, by the way, bring me some grapes when you come back. It just always seems like an odd request for Moses. Their task is to spy on the land, to bring back important information for what is next. The stakes are high. Just over the hill is the culmination of God's promise to Abraham and his people long ago. Things have built to this point. This is a big deal. God is inviting us onto a journey to discover and carve out some sort of new path. And when we choose to listen and to follow God, the journey is exciting. Like Israel, God frees us from the bondage of of darkness and brokenness, bringing us to the precipice of something great, whether it is the promised land or some new chapter of life. And when we follow, this is an exciting adventure to go on. Have you discovered the excitement of journeying with God? Have you sensed the anticipation of what is in store when we are being led by God? Have you tasted the goodness that God is leading us into something wonderful. God is inviting us daily in the small things to follow God each and every day. Are we willing to step forward into what that looks like? The adventure party is set. The plans have been given. Let's see what takes place in verse 26. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people there live there are are very powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Gev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
But the men who had gone up with them said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they will spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said this, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great in size. We saw Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. These band of spies come back from the promised land. They observe the towns and the cities. They confiscate the fruit uh, that was ripe and lush, and they return to the camp. And instead of boasting about the great possibilities of this land, the great bounty of the fruit that was in store for them, they start talking about giants. You didn't expect to see that in the Bible, did you? Giants. Uh, in, in the book of Genesis, we encounter this. And they give this laundry list of tribes that are dominating the land, the Malachites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. All this is culminated in a statement that sums up the tone of their report. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Psychologists would define complexes as a system of irrational emotions that charge ideas and memories and impulses that repress a pathological behavior. And probably the best way to define what's going on here is an inferiority complex. Or for our text, we'll call it a grasshopper complex. They viewed themselves as inferior. They viewed themselves as ill-equipped, as incapable against such foes. They saw the inhabitants of the land as great, gigantic, powerful, equipped and fortified, and their walls impenetrable. You see, the grasshopper complex welled up within them a sense of fear and hopelessness and indifference. Sure, submission and defeat made sense. These are the people who had felt the wrath of the Egyptian taskmasters. And so they begin to think to themselves, this is no guaranteed thing for us to enter into the promised land. They were a group of wandering refugees. They were homeless and limited on resources. What could they have against such foes? And the grasshopper complex filled their hearts. I wonder how often in our life we are filled with a grasshopper complex. How often we are on the precipice of something great that God is leading us to, only to shrink back because of fear and uncertainty that we feel we are ill-equipped for what is next. What is impossible and challenging, what will require work and sacrifice, it seems a whole lot easier just to go with the status quo. And sometimes reason takes over, and reason wins the day. We have been called to deepen our understanding of ourselves and sometimes we look at ourselves and we find ourselves wanting and so what the hebrew spies fail to see in this moment what we fail to see is that the grasshopper complex is an attempt to dismiss god from our lives the spies failed to believe that what god had promised to them god would bring them to they failed to believe that the god who delivered them out of the hands of the greatest empire to this point in history the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. The same God who then 
put the waters on top of the Egyptian army that was chasing after them. The God who took them through the desert, providing them manna and quail each day they wandered throughout the wilderness. This God brought them to this point, and they did not believe that God could accomplish such a task. Instead, God, they, they chose their inability and their weakness and their lack of sense of self-worth. How often do we shrink back to the things that God is calling us to? How often do we have the opportunity to enter into something powerful and great only to find ourselves wanting? How often do we do this individually in our lives? How often do we do this as a church community? When we allow fear-mongering to change our future. You see, the grasshopper complex, these spies overshadow this minority report that begins to come out that there's these two spies, ten against two, Caleb and Joshua, who having great and incredible courage in this moment, they're willing to face any odds. These so-called giants, these weaponized tribes, they believe that God brought them to this point and that God would do anything necessary to help them accomplish their task. If God could do all these things, bringing them out of Egypt, bringing them through the wilderness, bringing them to this point, that God had great things in store for what was on the other side of the hill. And it's not about to get any easier. Look at what it says in chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be for easier for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell in front of the whole Israelite assembly, gathered there Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephuin, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people in the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Verse 10 says, But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. In the 14th century, trade across Europe and Africa and Asia was, was growing. And traced back to October of 1347, an Italian trading company uh, returned to Sicily after a voyage from China. Their freighter brought spices and goods of great value. They didn't anticipate what was on the ship that they really weren't expecting to bring along in the process. You see, stowed away in the cargo down below would, in short kill 60% of the population of Europe. All across Europe, people began to develop these large boils that would begin to, sorry to say this, but overflow with blood and pus. And this would then follow with chills and fever and vomiting and diarrhea, all things you never expect a pastor to say from the pulpit. 60% of the population would die from the bubonic plague. 60%. Do you know what carried this horrible plague? 
this black death, oriental rat fleas on the backs of black rats that were regular passengers on merchant ships. A a trading route of these merchant ships made its route throughout all of the Mediterranean, spreading this horrible plague throughout all the people that estimates of 50 million people died. What we learn from the text is that a grasshopper complex spreads like a virus in a community. When people are filled with doubt and uncertainty, when people are feeling inferior and hopeless about what's next, it's so easy to spread from person to person to person. And what we learn in this text is that the people are so afraid, they believe this report so much that they're willing to go back to slavery. And they're even willing to kill Aaron and Moses and Joshua and Caleb and appoint new leaders to bring them to this place. Verse 10 says, they were ready to stone these men. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're swayed by negativity and fear and uncertainty about as what next? Have you ever found that anxiety and fear can fill your heart and cause you not to move forward in what God is calling you to? Has ill-advised news ever driven you to a place of hopelessness? You see, the grasshopper complex can overshadow the great and profound faith we see within this text. But what we need to see is that a grasshopper complex can lead us away from a brilliant adventure. Their fear and their hopelessness prevented them from stepping into what God had promised them. And instead, we know the result of the text. For the next 40 years, they will wander around in the wilderness. For the next 40 years, they will continue to eat uh, manna and quail, That doesn't sound delicious at all. For the next 40 years, they will be living in the heat and humidity of what was next. For the next 40 years, they will suffer because they chose to allow fear to fill their hearts. What are you preventing God from doing in your life? What hope and anxiety and fear is preventing you from moving forward? What brilliant adventure are you missing out on because the grasshopper complex has filled your heart? Bilbo Baggins faced an unexpected and dangerous nature of his journey. So he asked Gandalf, can you promise that I will come back? The scene ends with Bilbo stating that he will not be going on any adventure. And yet something great happens when we are allowed the space of introspection we begin to discover that we are equipped, that we are ready for an unexpected journey. We, of course, have the story of Bilbo Baggins, a hobbit of the Shire, because Tolkien would not write a story about someone who stayed home instead of going on an adventure. Or as Bilbo would say later, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step out onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there is no way of knowing where you might be swept off to. You see, the overwhelming disappointment of the Hebrew people should not overshadow us from the power of the courage and faith of Caleb and Joshua. Our choices not only affect us, but they affect those around us. Joshua and Caleb believe down to the core of their existence that God was calling them to what was next. But yet they have to suffer for 40 years. Even though they were faithful, they are the only ones from their generation that entered into the promised land 
And it was a result of their faithfulness to God. They believed that God was calling them to it. And despite those around them, they had the faith and courage to do so. We are beginning a new journey together. Yes, the context is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes, most of you know each other that are on this journey together. But what if I told you that God was doing something new? This isn't because Andy Hale is your new pastor. It's because God is always doing something new. God is always in the business of transforming the world from something old to something new, from something broken into something whole, from something twisted into something radiant. What we must decide is whether or not we will listen and discern God's calling as a church community and whether or not we have the faith and the courage to step out onto that adventure. Will it be scary? (laughs) Yes. Will there be uncertainty? You bet. Will it feel just a little different? I'll put all my money on it. But will it be something faithful? Yes. Will it be something brilliant? Absolutely. Will we do it together? Yes. Will God be with us? 100%. Yes. Do we have the grit and the gumption to do what is right? Do we have the faith to see that we are not standing alone, but that we do this together and God is with us? As the great J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, there are some things that are better to begin than to refuse, even though the end may be dark. We are stepping out on a journey together.